0: Welcome back party people to the place everybody wants to be, you know it, you love it, it of course is Victory Lane. Today we got Amy Long of NASCAR Trackside Live, NASCAR Fantasy Live, spoiler alert, former Bachelor contestant, former Disney princess, no I did not stutter, that is all true. We're going to discuss her wild life career in motorsports and I guess you could say show business for lack of a better term. Crazy, crazy story from Amy. She's awesome. We'll get to all that, plus her new relationship and how that relates to NASCAR. That's of interest to you listeners. We got a Darlington recap, Southern 500. What a damn race. I am still on cloud nine. I'm still freaking out because that race was so damn good. We got Richmond to preview, but before we do any of that, we got to pay homage to a good old number 24 And you may be thinking of a certain driver that my dad's going to talk about. Let's just hope he does.
1: Thank you, Doove, and welcome everyone to episode 124. I don't want to make Davey mad at me by going rogue on him again, as he likes to say. So I guess he's expecting me to turn the way back lens on a certain driver named Gordon who drove the 24 car, right? Okay, then. Cecil Gordon drove 373 of his 450 Cup starts in the 24 car. He never won a race or even scored a pole, so I'm not sure why Davey would want me to explore his career, unless there's another driver named Gordon we should be talking about. Oh, there is. Jeff Gordon, no relation to Cecil, won 93 times in the Cup Series, placing him 3rd on NASCAR's all-time wins list behind 2 guys named Petty and Pearson. He won the championship 4 times and some of his career stats are so remarkable they're just silly. He won the Daytona 500 and the Coke 600 each 3 times. He won the Brickyard 400 5 times and he won the Southern 500 a ridiculous six times. But did you know that he almost never became a NASCAR driver? He grew up wanting to race open-wheel cars. He was the 1990 USAC National Midget Car Champion and won the 1991 USAC Silver Crown Championship. However, he wasn't able to find an IndyCar ride, which ultimately led him to Bill Davis Racing and the NASCAR Busch Series. You remember that Baby Ruth-sponsored T-Bird and his cheesy mustache, don't you? The rest, as they say, is history. I never was a great fan of Gordon, as Davey well knows. We even had some PG-rated nicknames for him that weren't entirely complimentary. I think it had something to do with his sponsor-friendly, photo intelligent image that was always just a little too smooth for my taste. I guess I skew more toward the earlier NASCAR stars who were a little rougher around the edges and a little less concerned with their image and political correctness. That's on me, though, not on him, because Gordon's talent behind the wheel was undeniable. Gordon was the bridge between NASCAR's old and modern eras and had a lot to do, maybe even more than he gets credit for, with the sport's rise in popularity. Among his many awards and accolades, Jeff Gordon was named one of NASCAR's greatest 50 drivers in 1988, and he was inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame in 2019. That's all for this week. Back to you, Doof.
0: Thank you, Dad. Yes, when you started off there with Cecil, I was like, uh uh-uh, he ain't doing this again. So thank you for coming around and giving Jeff Gordon his proper due. Even though you don't like him or you didn't like him, you got to pay your respects. All right? So I appreciate you doing that dad as always. Let's start off this episode as we always do with a good old-fashioned reggaeton. <laughs> Ram not here right now so I can scream and shout to my heart's content. Man, oh man. God, the cookout southern 500 was so fun. Wasn't it, Darlington? It just it always hits. It's something about the 750 package at Darlington, in the playoffs, lots on the line, people rooting and gouging each other out of the way, that leads to this chaos and this amazingness that is Darlington and the Southern 500. Holy bejesus, haven't given you one of those in a while, but what a race, and it didn't feel like 500 miles drawn out over four hours, approaching four and a half hours, at least to me, didn't feel that long, because... I genuinely enjoyed it so much, and you guys have heard me talk on previous podcasts about races I did not enjoy, and races that were just okay, and races that were barn burners. This was a barn burner. Like This was so, so fun to watch, start to finish, green to checkered, four plus hours. I loved it so much. Probably not as much as Denny Hamlin though, because he winds up coming home a winner for the first time this season. Isn't that crazy to think about? Denny wins, what, seven, eight times last year? Forget the official number. And in the first 26 races of the season, he didn't have any wins. But to start the playoffs off right, get out in front of things, get those five bonus points out the way, and advance to the round of 12, Denny Hamlin does exactly that. Kyle Larson gave him a run for his money, though. I'll tell you that much. You guys see that finish? Oh, my God. Again, I had a tweet ready to go like, wow, Denny Hamlin wins the Southern 500. Great for him. On to the next round. And I'm listening to his radio, and I hear, he's on you. He's on you. He's hitting you. And I'm like, who am I listening to? Who's hitting who? And then I look up at my TV, and I see Larson up his ass. And I'm like, oh, my God. And It's ridiculous. It's it's amazing. So Larson went full send, full video game mode, as he so admitted. Carl Edwards 2008-esque at Kansas against Jimmy Johnson but man oh man Denny Hamlin got to feel good to get that first victory on the board and out of the way and advancement to the next round that's got to feel better than anything else here is driver number 11 after win number one of 2021
2: yeah I mean you know we we had so many opportunities earlier this year to to win races and we only really had the fastest car twice uh you know and and we understood that but you know, the five just went on a tear there, and, and for us, I mean, it, it certainly is significant. I, I'm not going to downplay the significance of it. It's not just another win. Um, you know, this, one, this one's big for us and our team and the momentum. Um, you know, we, we didn't have the playoff points that certainly we wish we had uh, going into these playoffs. You know, there was no room for error, and, uh, you know, now to, to punch our ticket to the next round, we get to go out there and focus on, you know, getting through that second round, which I think is probably the most
0: dangerous. I found Chris Gabehart, his crew chief, his answer to a question from the athletics, Jeff Gluck, pretty interesting. Jeff basically said, you know, why do you think there was so much attrition during this race? Because I've yet to mention that attrition. You had William Byron, Alex Bowman, Kyle Busch, Michael McDowell, all crash and have trouble. Not to mention Martin Truex Jr., speeding penalty, rebounds for a top five. Kevin Harvick, loose wheel under green, rebounds for a top five. Uh, Who am I missing? Um, let's see. I'm thinking off the top of my head. Ryan Blaney loses breaks, spins out, finishes 22nd. Uh, Logano and Brad, they ended up having good nights, but they had to come from the back to the front to do so. You had Kurt Busch, who didn't have an issue and ran inside the top 10. So did his teammate, Ross Chastain, who, by the way, is not in the playoffs. You had Corey freaking LaJoy stacking some damn quarters and running inside the top 10. Bonkers race. Absolutely crazy. So much stuff happening, and so many playoff guys having trouble. So I digress. I'm sorry. Chris Capehart was asked by Jeff why he thought that it was so chaotic and why so many playoff contenders have trouble. You would think that they would take it easy being the first race of the playoffs, right?
2: No, there wasn't. It's the Southern 500 at Darlington. These guys, you know, they're the best stock car drivers in the world. So they make it look easy. No different than Tom Brady makes... You know, winning the Super Bowl look easy, but it's not easy, guys. And and Darlington at Southern
0: 500 will will remind you of that. So, you know, NASCAR racing was was born on endurance racing. You know, and and in a lot of ways, it's it's sort of ran its course. There's there's not a lot of
2: 500 mile races that are a thriller anymore. But Darlington is is the true quintessential NASCAR race, and that you know the endurance really is the test, man and machine, for 500 miles. And you saw it tonight. I mean, there were only a few guys left standing at the end with a shot to win. And that's just a tribute to this racetrack in this race.
0: <sighs> it was just so damn good. For real. I, I I can't say it enough. You combine the package that they got on... on. You combine this package, the 750 package, with this track, Darlington Raceway, to kick off the playoffs. And it is amazing. I loved it so much. Best race of the year on Jeff Gluck's poll. Best race of the year in my mind. And part of it's probably recency bias, but I'm telling you, this is one of the best races that I've ever seen. And I haven't been watching NASCAR since I was three years old. i am watching since I was four and five. And I haven't been watching as long as you, and I haven't been watching as long as some of you guys that are listening. But good God, that was such a good race. And that's all I got to say about that. Great times. Got to give a quick shout out to Noah Gregson too. By the way, it's Gregson. Not Gragson, just putting that out there into the ether. He needed a good run, even though his plans are now locked in for next year with Junior Motorsports. He's going to be back in that number nine car in 2022. He needed this for his confidence. He needed this to obviously lock himself into the postseason for the NASCAR Xfinity Series, who's probably going to get in regardless, unless something catastrophic happened. But he needed this confidence-wise because it has not been a great season for Noah. He has led laps. He has had race-winning speed. But when the opportunity was there, he and the number nine team, they were not able to capitalize. So the fact that they were able to do so here at the track, too tough to tame, that means a lot. Not just for getting into the playoffs, but for his confidence and for his mental. Well, I think it's big,
2: not only for for my confidence as a driver, but the confidence of the team. You know, it's... uh it's a performance-based, you know, industry and we haven't had the best of season and, and it kind of has taken a toll, not really on our team, but just, uh, you know, just kind of some of the stuff that's been going on and motivation and, uh, you know, everything's great on, on the team end, but um, from my side it's you know, you kind of second guess yourself. Are you good enough to do this? Or, you, um, you know, should you end a regular job, you know, and, um, you know, days like today reassure you that, hey, you know, just keep on, keep on pushing, believe in, believe in the process, as Josh Wise says. And, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to him and he uh, he teaches me a lot about just, just keeping motivated and, uh, and whatnot. So, yeah, t- today is uh, something I've been for a long, long time and just so very grateful to be with the team and be able to do it together.
0: Sheldon Creed, man. All he does is win. Cue the DJ Khaled music. Two races in a row, two trips to victory lane to start the Truck Series playoffs for Sheldon Creed and GMS Racing. Gateway, domination. Darlington, domination. And his second win this season at Darlington. You guys remember he went on throwback weekend in that awesome Jason Leffler throwback truck. And then he got into a little tiff on Twitter afterwards with CEO of Camping World, Marcus Lemonis. That's neither here nor there. What is here is Sheldon Creed. He's here to stay, defending champion, clearly coming into his own in 2021. He does not have his 22 plans set in stone, being able to be announced yet. He teased that after the race. But right now, we know that his focus is still on getting another championship for GMS Racing. It'd be nice to end his tenure in the truck series with two back-to-back titles, wouldn't it be?
2: Been trying to stay really low-key and just have fun with it. Stay, uh, just stay focused on what I'm in control of. And I feel like last year I was nervous coming in all the races and just thinking about the unknowns and, and, uh, yeah, this year I'm just trying to enjoy it more and just trying to put pressure on the other guys really, uh, um, had really good trucks. The last two weeks last week's truck was unbelievable. Today's, uh, didn't start off very good. And, and even in stage two, um, gosh just loose and and fighting off the 18 and the four and and man just really not having a whole lot of fun with it just just up front um, and then got it pretty good there at the end I was still a little free that last run but uh, it, was, it was way more manageable and and was able to keep the KbM trucks behind me
0: before we throw it over a two hour interview for this week with Amy long I gotta talk to you guys about the good old folks at rhino classifieds you guys know they came onto the scene recently they gave away von gittin jr's drift truck and rhino was created by the founder of racing junk because he wanted to create a more streamlined buying and selling app that allowed users to see what they wanted rather than all those ads and the random crap that gets in the way so head on over to rhino.co r-y-n-o.co sign up for a free account it's free You can find the car part, race car, classic car, modified street machine, whatever it is you're looking for, they probably got it, and you can post yours, rhino.co, classified for racers, built by racers. I forgot to do this last week, so I'll give you a hearty interview time with Amy Long of NASCAR Trackside Live, NASCAR Fantasy Live, again, a former Disney princess, holy bejesus, A former Bachelor contestant? Holy bejesus. And I don't like to introduce people as, like, the wife or the husband or the girlfriend or the boyfriend of of somebody because it kind of is, like, degrading, I feel. But if you guys didn't know, she's currently dating former NASCAR driver Casey Kane, who is now tearing out the World of Outlaw sprint car scene, obviously. Uh, He was just at Skagit Speedway back in his home state of Washington out west. And Amy has been on the road with Casey for a handful of these races over the last few months this summer. We talked about that, how they met. She had a funny one-liner about getting lost in those blue eyes, but we focused on her career, how she got into journalism. It's a cool story, kind of what inspired her to go down the reporting route, and then how she figured out she wanted to be a contestant on The Bachelor, how she wanted to be a Disney princess, and why that was her favorite job she has ever done and probably will ever do. There's a lot more ground that we covered in this conversation, so I'll get out the way and let you guys hear my chat with Amy Long. Pleasure to welcome on to the show this week, somebody that I've wanted to have on for a long time. See what I did there? Amy Long of NASCAR Trackside, Fantasy Live, and let me tell you something, I did some intel, I did some research, and there is more to meets the eye than just NASCAR with you, Amy. So I'm excited to get into all of it. Everywhere in between. But first of all, uh, you logged on and I was a little caught off guard, but I knew what the deal was. It said Casey Kane has entered the waiting room. So I said, oh, didn't know I was talking to Casey this morning, but there's some difficulties with your computer, his computer, the motorhome. So I get it. We're living in, in the 21st century here with Zoom.
3: And, you know, we, I packed up quickly to run to the airport, left the computer. So yeah, here we are, but I'm um, sure he doesn't mind that I'm using his computer every now and then a call will come through and I'm like, oh, <laughs> sorry, hang up. But um, yeah, I'm sure he's having the same issues on his end with messages like going off and everything. But yeah. Thankfully, there are two computers in rotation, and one of them is here.
0: (laughs) Sign of a healthy relationship. You guys are not super protective over your electronics, so that's good. We're happy about that.
3: Oh, that would always be a bad sign. Yeah, me too.
0: Yeah, no, it would be. (laughs) All right, let's go all the way back. I like to talk to my guests about how they get started in the industry, and for you, it goes all the way back to Seminole Nation, Florida State University. got a communications degree from there. And I know that now, you know, in the roles that you do, you're on camera primarily. You did that after you graduated with some stops in between along the way, which we'll get to. But from the get go, when you got to FSU, did you know that you wanted to be on camera in journalism? And is that why you pursued the comm degree?
3: Okay, so let's rewind way, way back. Please. Uh, So maybe even kindergarten, pre-K. So I was a huge fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and April Neal was like my idol. I loved April <laughs> O'Neill. And then fast forward a little bit, elementary school, there was Lois Lane and she's a journalist as well. So I'm inherently curious and I figure curiosity and doing something with that. And coupled with that with storytelling, I realized how much I love storytelling too and helping others tell their stories or what lesson can we learn from this? Or how can I help our community? I'm just kind of a social butterfly, I wanted to put that to the best use. And I say curious, and some people might say nosy, but curious sounds better. And if you have a degree, I think that you can call it curious. So I think that um, it's always been in my nature to ask a lot of questions and not assume I know everything. And um, yeah, I also, like I said, looked to April O'Neill, Lois Lane, and then when I got to Florida State, it all just kind of started falling into place from there too. So um, yeah, I, I love reporting. I love people. And I love being out in the communities that I live in as well.
0: Did you grow up in Florida or in like the Tallahassee area? Or did something else draw you down there?
3: No, I actually, uh, I grew up in Central Florida, about 45 minutes northwest of Orlando. So just okay. right next to Disneyland and or Disney World, sorry. And um, then moved to Tallahassee for college. I was. 17 when I moved and I had no idea I wasn't gonna live with my mom again, which is kind of crazy to think <laughs> back now. But um right. yeah, it was a great experience. uh did the whole sorority thing, loved it. They were a really good influence. It helped keep my keep my head on straight, which a lot of people think would think the opposite. But
0: right.
3: very fortunate to have some really great women around me when I was, you know, going through college and uh loved my college career, but it was everything I learned after putting it all into practice, I was able to work in Tallahassee too. So I lived there for eight years. So I really knew the city. There are two seasons. There was football season and there's legislative season. So I kind of got the best of both worlds. The lawmaking part of it was fascinating to me. And yeah. I just loved that, but I love sports. And um, they always said, it's a it's a drink in town with a football problem and they weren't lying. So uh, that was always- good to get into, too. But you being in Washington, D.C., you know all about the politics and everything. I don't so much love the division and all that. It's fascinating to me how bills are made and watching the process. So that was part of the fun of storytelling, too. But yeah, I I really enjoyed that.
0: Oh, yeah, totally get it. I, I got family in Florida as well. Most of them are in Miami, but there's some in Central Florida as well. So I totally get it. The thing is, though, my whole dad's side of the family they're all gators. So I don't know if they'll approve of this conversation. So we'll just have to keep that between us. So you mentioned the curiosity, um, and I'm sure that that and the the passion of being on camera, telling stories, and the politics aspect as well, kind of led you to where you went after college, which was at WCTV in Tallahassee. As a few years, you were a reporter there, like you mentioned. Was that one of those situations, you know, I hear all the time, MMJs, you gotta shoot, write, edit, report, do all your own stuff. Were you your own one man or one woman band in this case? And how was that experience? Because I'm sure it was not easy.
3: It was wild. So I actually first got my job there as the internet reporter, which was kind of an unheard of position now, which now every journalist is an internet reporter. That was like
0: before it was a big thing.
3: Oh yeah, so this is like circa 2008. Um, but I started our Twitter account for the for the news station. I was in charge of making sure everybody's stories got online, but also writing my own stories for online and trying to get people engaged online. So that was a new concept, and I was I'm really thankful to have that. Even though so much has changed, like some of it is relevant, but most of it is you know technology ages so quickly. But it was so really neat to be a part of that. But uh, fast forward a little bit. And, I was promoted to general assignment reporter. So I was that one man band person out there, you know, and I have a great story lined up, but you know, then there'd be unfortunately like some catastrophic event would happen in the community and I'd have to rush off. Um, You know, house fires are my least favorite things in the world or or accidents, but um, crazy things, drive by shootings. Okay, Amy, head on out there. You're the only person. And this is Florida
0: where anything happens.
3: Yeah. Exactly. So it was, there were a lot of times and deadlines that I wasn't sure I was going to make it, but all of that made me so much stronger. And there's so much I'm so thankful for. I mean, I left in tears sometimes, but I think that's part of it as well. And I also left at the end of the week, just feeling incredibly proud of myself also. So, um, but I was also our fill and anchor there eventually, but I won't lie being out and knocking on doors and asking questions is where my heart was still. So I just, I loved it. Every bit of it. Um, Taking home the camera, being the nightside general assignment reporter, getting calls at 2 a.m. Hey, there's a body. Go look. And I'm like, what? What life is this? But it it was it was crazy, but it was so worth it. And I'm really thankful for my time and for uh, my coworkers there, too, who really helped shape how I work today. So it was really an important time in my life.
0: I always ask a lot of people that were MMJs or currently are MMJs, and it's the most cliche thing ever, but it literally teaches you how to adapt to adverse situations, adapt on the fly, do a lot of things in a little amount of time. You're not compensated for all the work that you're doing because you're wearing like 20,000 different hats. But now looking back on it, like you kind of just mentioned, it makes you a better journalist. It makes you a better reporter. It makes you a better person. And now you know, all these years later, you have all those skill sets to write, shoot, edit. And even though you're primarily in front of the camera, you understand how the sausage is made, so to speak. And all that goes into making a production like Trackside Live or getting Fantasy Live out to the masses, which I think makes you a better reporter and a better person in general. And that experience that you had for those few years doing that stuff, knocking on doors, getting calls in the middle of the night, in the moment, you're probably like, what the hell's going on here? But now you're looking back on it saying, I'm glad that that happened because it made me who I am.
3: Heck yeah, and thank you for saying all that. All of that's really kind. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it and there are a lot of, you know, unsung heroes out there that are doing that work right now. And I just want to tell them to stick with it. You can do it. And I actually loved it. And I, um, like you said, there's nothing like setting up the tripod, running around to the front of the camera, hoping the tripod doesn't fall (laughs) because I got like a dinosaur of a camera. Doing my stand up, people laughing at you, running back to the other side, then realizing that the person you're supposed to interview was coming out of the press conference, so you got to run over there. All in stilettos, by the way. So, <laughs> it it's it's awesome though. It was fun, and it was something that I was like, you know what, April O'Neil would have done this.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're giving me. I like, should have gotten you- a
3: jumpsuit though.
2: I don't. Know. I know.
0: go back in time we'll get it you give it you're giving me like ptsd besides the stilettos because i did that in college i didn't do it after college but i remember just doing it for my senior capstone class and i'm just the most stressed out person in the entire campus i'm like how do people do this i don't get it but you did it well
3: (laughs) yeah thank you i appreciate it i was very excited especially whenever some of the major networks would call we i worked for the cbs affiliate in tallahassee and abc in orlando and Whenever the higher-ups would call and they want to take your story and run it, it's just like, that's awesome. And I'd send it to my mom and my pop off and and be like, "Ah,
0: I'm doing it. Yeah, it's a great feeling. It really is. Mm -hmm. All right. Apologies because I'm going to jump all over the place here because I know we got limited time, but there's so much ground I want to cover. So (laughs) people may know you for your work with Trackside Live and Jose Castillo, who we recently had on the show, spicy Mm -hmm. as can be. Uh, And you've been doing that for what? I think like four plus years now. So how did that opportunity in the first place kind of come to be? Was that a novel idea that was born and they came to you and said, we want you to be a part of this? Or how did this whole Trackside Live deal start?
3: So they were bringing the show back uh, and that was in April. So the season had already started. So we are a little over four seasons with it. Um, Unfortunately, we're not able to travel to the track right now. So we're on a little bit of a hiatus, but our team is still really close and we stay in contact. And um, I have no doubt that we'll be able to be back with the fans soon, Um, but i missed that show so very much. And what an incredible opportunity. I, uh, so I moved to LA after my reporting career and I went on to be like an entertainment reporter and do a lot of red carpet work. And the same time I was working with IMSA uh, and doing you know, all of their VIP hosting events. And I, they asked me after a couple of seasons, hey, we're doing a red carpet, would you wanna do a Facebook Live and, and host it for us? We know you're a red carpet reporter in LA, we think you could do it. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I know the guys, I know the sport, I'm here, so let's do this. So uh, it went really well. That was October, so fast forward to April. The next year and i get this email in my inbox saying hey we're looking for somebody doesn't need to know much about the sport of nascar but needs to pull some personality out of these guys and we think that you might be a really great fit we watched the facebook live we loved your interviews with some of the drivers and would you be interested it's going to be a little bit of a commitment and i don't turn down an opportunity so (laughs) i i said yes because i thought absolutely why not and at the time, I grew up, like I said, in Central Florida, and I know NASCAR, and I was like Miss Light, and so I traveled a little bit, but not anything major knowing anything too much. So I get out to Bristol, our very first show. I know not much, like I said, but Jose, that's his home track, and what a good mentor he was like leading in and like so welcoming. Everybody with NASCAR was so great, but yeah. The next race they're like so we need you to know like a little bit about nascar (laughs) i was like you got it (laughs) i have a hard time getting up and talking about anything that i don't know about anyway like i said curious but it was just one of those opportunities they were looking to bring it back i had done some work um for you know imsa and then and then here we are and it was an incredible opportunity and i've met you know lifelong friends because of it too which is really cool
0: so let's go back a little bit tell me about the work that you did with imsa Um, You mentioned Miss Coors Light. Tell me about the the work that you did with that program specifically and stuff. And it seems like NASCAR wasn't really on your radar, even though you grew up around Daytona and you maybe knew about it working in the sport before you got to NASCAR specifically. But the work that you did before you got to Trackside Live to be involved in the sport of racing, tell the listeners the background that you had in that.
3: Well, I've traveled with IMSA with the uh, Patron team, which has since dissolved, but truly loved it. Had, like I said, also made lasting friends there, too. Loved getting out to some of these um, racetracks. And that's why some of the tracks that we're going to now with the road courses in NASCAR, I'm like, I've been there with IMSA and they're amazing tracks and they put on yeah. a great show. And so I'm excited. I'm happy that NASCAR is branching out and trying different things. Um, and... So with MSA, I would, I traveled for about five seasons with them and it was less of a doing hosting role. Like now it was more of a, a VIP, like kind of like activation patrons. stuff, right? Yeah. And do, um, patrons and in-house videos and things right. like that. Uh, for Ms. Gors Light, that was, what year was that? Oh my goodness. Like 2014, I think, wow. but we traveled around a little bit, you know, signing posters and doing silly stuff, but I enjoy the sport so much more now that I know what's going on and also <laughs> being able to talk to the fans like I do now, that's such a, just like a weird situation to be in because you, it's hard to be, I mean, you are, want to be outgoing and, but you're already being just seen in a certain way to be at the track and be like, no people like she knows what she's talking about. She wants to help us her like have a good time this weekend. Like it's completely different, um, situation. So I'm really appreciative for my role now at the tracks. So I love it.
0: Yeah. Well, let's dive into that a little bit more because I've talked to some other people about how the females are perceived in NASCAR and in racing specifically. And he kind of touched on it there. Like you're put in this box by a lot of different people that just assume, Oh, she's a pretty face. She's Miss Cor's light. She's traveling with the Patron team. Like she doesn't know much about racing. She's just here to look good and have a good time, whatever. But you're so much more than that, and like people don't know your career before that. So I'm curious, just like your mindset of being an underrepresented group in the sport of NASCAR specifically, but also racing, it's really cliche, but a lot of people say that that's just always how it's been, and unfortunately, that is probably how it's going to be until the mindsets of a group of people change, but your your navigations and your trials and tribulations of kind of navigating that to try to get people to understand, like, No, I'm more than just this person. I have done reporting. I know about the sport. I'm putting in effort to learn about it. And now you are to where you are now. So clearly, the right people have found out and the right people have listened. But there's still a group of fans out there that may not know the full story. So to get through those times and stuff, I imagine it probably had to be a little bit tough at times.
3: I wouldn't say that it was um, NASCAR in general. I think that more often than... I've been so welcomed and there are so many women who are actually currently in the sport. I think NASCAR does a wonderful job of having whoever is best for the job. It's not like, Hey, we need to dive, like diversify. No, it's who's best for the job. And Mm -hmm. there are plenty of wonderful women that I look up to that are just killing it. Not only right now, but they've been doing it. Look at how long Claire has been in the game. And she's one of my favorite people to see at the track. So I don't feel any disrespect. Um, from anybody within the industry at all and never have. And it's because of people like that and doing so well and and just doing, doing their job and doing it the right way and also demanding respect along the way too. So I've never felt disrespected in any way. And that has a lot to do with how women um, are handling themselves. And that's not to say I didn't go through a lot with my reporting career. That is kind of where I, I learned I tested waters, there were growing pains, I made wrong choices on how to stand up for myself and didn't. um, But that's something that I haven't had to deal with. And I don't know if it's how I handle situations now, um, just remove myself, or if it's because hopefully we're just getting away from that. So Mm -hmm. at at this age, I'm 35 now, and I, straight out of college, yes, there were there were definitely, I can think back at certain situations. Now even, there's certain people you would be surprised to know who slide into DMs and say inappropriate things. But, you know, keep those to yourself and save their reputation, and it'll save yours in the long run. Um, I But I admire the hell out of the women who are in our sport, and I think they're doing a great job. And not only the women in our sport, but the men in our sport who are supporting you know, not only the women, but everyone, we all support each other. And I think that's really important. And there's a lot of that in NASCAR. And I, I think that's tremendous.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Caitlin, Jamie, Shannon, Kelly Stavis, Hannah Newhouse, Heather DeBoe, two of my like really good friends that I've had on the podcast multiple times, like there's so much talent. And the fact that for some people, they get put into a box and say, oh, she's only on air because she's a woman i hate that yeah. stuff like it's it's so dumb but i'm glad that you you've had a different experience for the most part so so that's yeah. good to hear
3: so women are powerful too i also think that it's great whenever women like hey you want to do your hair and do your makeup i'm here for it too like yeah we we can do it all Just saying
0: <laughs> absolutely yeah you're swiss army knife that's why we love yeah. that's why we love having you around yeah um <laughs> let's get to some racing stuff i know you recently went to your first knoxville nationals ever with casey uh, and you saw it from his perspective, which is pretty cool, too. So I know you've been to a lot of big time races over a lot of different series. You went to the Chili Bowl for the first time, I think, a couple of years ago, too. But mm-hmm. the Knoxville Nationals, from everything that I've heard, because I've never been and I'm sure you're going to tell me that I need to go, is something like you will never experience in your life. So being able to see it from Casey's perspective must have added a whole nother element to things for you.
3: Yeah, so he already just has such a stellar group around him already. His teams that he's been working on building, you know, for so long now, they're so close. So having good company out there, Good, granted, in Knoxville, it's not hard to find good company. So many great race fans are looking forward to that week all year round and yep. preparing. And that whole city just Really embraces it. I can't tell you how many yard sales I saw, but we we did so much. There's so much to do in such a small town. Um, but specifically, going with him was so much fun because, like I said, he's got an amazing group around him. They had a campground. You know, we are grilling out every night and riding the scooter around town. And I love the on Instagram the stories
0: of you just on the back of the scooter, just chilling.
3: <laughs> I had so much fun. Its name is Scoot, by the way. And we just got okay. that um and i'm really excited because we uh, we also just got a little trailer to hook them to the back of the motorhome but it's kind of something you need when you're in knoxville so you're headed there get a scooter or a golf cart you're going to need it okay. um and also just it's a blast the format is amazing the stakes are high the the amount of drivers that come out to enjoy it and their families like it's it's just incredible so many people keep going for years and years and years and people who come back that many times like clearly and so definitely say get in the atmosphere is just incredible the fans out there are amazing and yeah, we had a really good time. Casey had his best finish and, um, with the Roth motorsports team in the 83, and that was exciting and he got quick time one night. So that was, it's always fun. I just, his smile and he's doing what he loves is just, um, that was my favorite part of the whole Knoxville national. So it was, a, it was a good time.
0: That's really, yes, goals. you have to go
3: to wrap it all up in a bow. Yes. Just go. <laughs>
0: I love it. That's relationship goals talking about how you just love watching them smile and stuff. And let's so we're on the topic. So let's talk for people that are saying, what are you talking about? Amy and Casey Kane, obviously people that are listening to the podcast know Casey, right? You guys are dating relationship goals. We love that. Uh, I assume you guys met at the track at a NASCAR race, but there's got to be like a story behind it. How did you guys actually meet for the first time? And like, how did the relationship progress?
3: You know, he actually did come on my show a couple of times uh, early on in the season, but I didn't really get to know him like that at all. I, you know, I was work, so I, you know, asked the questions, noticed the blue eyes, but then moved along. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When I moved to, well, actually, we kind of kept up with each other a little bit just through social media, but nothing crazy. Just... It's funny when we I look, look back and I read some of our conversations before, it was all just really positive and nice and lighthearted. And I thought it was nothing like too direct, just checking in, just keeping a pulse, making sure yep. you're still there. Yep. Uh, I lived in LA though. So to me, nothing would make sense like that. Yep. So um, when I moved to Charlotte, I was like, hey, I'm just moving. Just want to see if you want to say hi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Long story short, um, actually it's a pretty short story. He said, yeah, let's grab dinners. And then we did. And then I, I walked into the restaurant. I was like, saw him in a completely different light, you know? So I'm like, okay, I'm meeting him to catch up, but okay, this is completely different. And yeah, it was a great night. I love Yeah. It. Yeah. I've got nothing but a smile <laughs> to say. <laughs> like-
0: yeah. So people know him from his name and from his time in NASCAR and, I think people would probably also say he's always been rather low-key. He's been one of the more popular drivers. He's had a lot of success, but he's been kind of low-key, never one to seek out the spotlight, never one to to revel in the limelight type of guy. But you obviously see him in a completely different light, not just from the dirt track side of things, but you're his partner. So can you tell people how he is away from the track? Because I, I guarantee you he's probably a really funny, cool guy, but people just see his answers when he's being asked questions about how's the car, how's this, or how's that. Take the people inside to see the real Casey.
3: Oh, he's sneaky funny. I can't give away all his secrets though. Please don't. (laughs) There's just so much that I do admire about him though. And he is the hardest working person I've ever met. And I appreciate that a lot because I like to work hard, but he, he's the person that, if you see somebody he wants to help them doing whatever they're doing to finish the job the day of our first date he was mowing the yard (laughs) like he's just so um there's just a lot I admire about him I can't even I can't even start but to explain it all but he's um he is that down-to-earth person that you think he is so there's a reason everybody is not wrong about him he's very genuine and good heart and he is sneaky funny though
0: Yeah. And he clearly still loves to race and he clearly is pretty freaking damn good at it. He's obviously going to run a lot more races this year with Roth and then the World of Outlaws. It must be nice for you who have known this whole time that he still got it and he still can do it and he's still damn good. It must be nice for you to see the public start to realize like, oh, he does still got it. He can still do this now, like you've known this the whole time, but now everybody else is seeing what you saw from the beginning.
3: Oh yeah, I'm really proud of him for taking all the opportunities too and just making the most of them. He's, like I said, got a really strong team around him who are also on his side and they I think they enjoy seeing his smile just as much as I do. So um, that's really important and I'm glad that he's doing what he loves.
0: Yeah, and we were trying to schedule this chat and you were on the road. Were you in South Dakota somewhere? Because I know he was. <laughs> you were on the road with him for a while.
3: Uh, yeah, was well, actually... Yeah, I think I was in South Dakota. We've been in it all blurs home. together. Been, it really does. When you cross state lines, it's just kind of like, Do you want a sandwich? <laughs> you know, <it's> because <laughs> remember it's motorhome too. Okay, I make it my goal to like make the best snacks or the best breakfast sandwiches or Ooh. whatever kind of breakfast burrito. Like I, I kind of turned that thing into a snack cart because and I'm like, everything tastes better when you're going 70 miles down, uh, an hour down that road, I think. <laughs> that oven makes the very best crispy crowns. So can't, Mm. you got to use it, but we've been having a really good time and, but yeah, it is kind of a little bit difficult. It's also really nice because, you know, I got my hotspot or I've done uh, my show from a car dealership from hotel lobbies, but being able to be virtual is actually really helpful uh, when it comes to that. And I just always take my ring light and my microphone and my computer, which I left clearly. So, that's it's been good being virtual and it's been really, really nice being able to travel with him and be next to him. So, yeah.
0: What's the weirdest place you've done a show from or an appearance from? Mine is probably recording part of a podcast in the Las Vegas airport baggage claim. What's yours?
3: I have a bunch of weird places. So one time I did an interview with somebody from a parking garage I was doing a promotion, this is like, so I was on a, I was on a show and people wanted to hear more about the show and my experience. And so I did an interview with HLN in an entertainment hour from a parking garage while wearing a very obscene outfit. And I was like, these people are not, they would never take me seriously if they saw what I was wearing right now. And I'm standing there. <laughs> and then the car alarms start going off. So oh, that's God. probably about it. And I was in Daytona Beach, actually.
0: <laughs> always Florida, always something.
3: Always- it's always something but you know what people are always like Florida man I fit into Florida like I anything goes and that's a good thing for me
0: yes it's a good thing for you especially if you work in news you're never not busy right yeah all right so you make a lot of snacks on the road in the motorhome I know you're a chips and salsa connoisseur can you Mm -hmm. explain to me like what makes a good chip what makes a good salsa do you have a favorite do you make Mm -hmm. your own like I need the 411 here
3: So I do, I used to make my own a lot more. My sister taught me how to and it's kind of the chunkier with like black beans and corn and tomatoes and jalapenos and um, onions, garlic, all that fun stuff and then blend it up and it's really good. But I did find my favorite salsa I've ever had to date whenever I went to Sonoma this last uh, trip when I went uh, with Jose to do their fan engagement for the track and it was a blast. But so Sonoma Taco, that's exactly what it was called. And okay. it was the best hot sauce or salsa I've ever had. So, and I just don't know how to explain it. I like a little bit of spice though, for sure.
0: Oh um, yeah. You got to have a little bit of pizzazz in there. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I'm, I'm leaning towards restaurant style more than the chunkier stuff now. So, and so let's see, perfect chip. I like thin and crispy with lots of salt.
0: Okay. Perfect <laughs> chip, thin and crispy, a lot of salt, little spice in the salsa. What'd mm-hmm. you say it was called? Sonoma what? Taco. Sonoma taco. I'm putting it on my list next time I go out West. Okay.
3: I mean, it was phenomenal.
0: All right. I know we got like 10 more minutes and I want to talk to you for like three more hours. So (laughs) let's get to the good stuff that people are like, wow, this is crazy. Um, clarity. Were you a lotto girl at one point I heard through the grapevine.
3: No, no. Okay. I'm just really good at spinning the bingo spinner on fantasy live. That's all. Okay.
0: Okay. That's fair. Next question. Uh, This is not a question. I know this to be true. You were a Disney princess for like (laughs) – you were like three different princesses over a span of a long period of time. You worked for Disney as a character performer. Like that's the official title. Is that right?
3: That's the official title. And don't leave out Pluto because he was one of my favorites.
0: Please. There's nothing like
3: dancing like no one's watching in a dog outfit. (laughs) (laughs) So much fun. I loved it. That was my – I mean, okay take NASCAR and the fans and the drivers away. Right. My favorite experience ever was, I just looked forward to going to work every day. You can't even call it work. This was after my reporting career. So I kind of flip-flopped it. A lot of people will do that, you know, out of high school into college. Right. I was, you know, I was five years out of a, like out of college. And then, and so I was probably the oldest person in the, in the break room, but I was also the person I think that took it, took advantage of it the most every hug meant so much and i played cinderella bell and rapunzel and wow. it was each. that's each the big girl, three <laughs> each girl was i don't know anna and elsa they might be up there now
0: But they but weren't a thing when you were doing it though right
3: they were not um yeah. they had just come on to the scene those ladies but yeah. i had so much fun and each one had such a different personality that i learned so much like you really have to dive into those characters and I actually have yeah. a background in theater so I loved it and you could just find pieces of yourself but you just meet so many people and they're just you're you're a part of something that's so much bigger than yourself because it's all in the reputation and people truly believe in the magic and they're not coming to see Amy they don't give a crap who I am they're coming to see Cinderella who they've saved so much money to come see and you know, so I'm like, damn, better make their day good. But in making doing that and trying to do that, my days were awesome. I loved them. But I love kids so much, and I just every hug was so sweet and genuine. And I'd always try to ask open ended questions like, oh, you know, we need uh, we need someone to protect the castle. Do you think you're strong enough? What what uh What's the heaviest thing you can pick up? And you get the funniest answers like uh, a tire or I can pick up that car. I can pick up my sister. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> But it was just it was so much fun. And whenever you at Disney also, you meet a lot of people, you know, make a wish and give kids the world. And so many experiences that teach you that things are so much bigger than you, which is was very humbling very often. And I I just loved it. I I really can't say enough about it. And I was very fortunate to have really great um, co-workers and managers around me and everybody was just people working at Disney for the most part, in my experience, their creativity and their, their affection for other people is just on another level. And I just loved it. So I felt right at home there. It was great.
0: I have so many questions. I (laughs) wish we had more time. How how do you do you apply to something like this? Do they place you in a certain princess role? Did you seek (laughs) this out? Like, did you know this is a possibility? Tell me everything.
3: So I actually saw, I was hosting an event, I was um, still reporting at the time, I was actually anchoring, I was hosting an event for the uh, South Lake, Anim- or the um, Leon County Animal League and okay. that night I got home and I, I was, had I had a good day but I had like a rough day at work and it had been like a s- string of like, okay, I need to figure out what I'm doing. I, I want to move to Orlando, back to closer to family or family things going on. And then on Facebook, there was a banner on the side. It was like, Disney auditions coming to your town. And I was like, what? So it happened to be like one of my days off, which I didn't have any days off barely. It was like hours off. And you and so I just went to this open audition and then the rest was history. But can't give away the secrets of the auditions either. But it was it was not easy <laughs> and i'm not really a dancer so the whole plie thing that was new i was like oh cool <laughs> but um it was funny and i i loved it and um yeah a couple auditions later because you don't go through just one and um yeah making sure the wig fits right and i and mm-hmm. then got it so yeah it was it a was, uh, it's fun i'm really glad i did it then they paid me to move back to home to orlando so that was nice. another plus <laughs>
0: I don't know if I'm trying to like connect two and two that don't connect, but you mentioned how you just love telling stories, and that's what drew you to journalism and reporting, um, and that you know impacted people. And it seems like the roles that you played as as a character performer impacted kids for the most part, but it really had an impact on people because, like you said, people save up for years to take a trip to Disney so that their son, their daughter could meet a princess like you. And I'm sure that the reactions that you saw on those kids and those parents' faces over those years, that had to leave an impact on you because of the impact that you left on them. Is that too, like, am I trying to make something out of nothing there?
3: No, you're making my heart really happy because that's exactly what it was. So there's this moment that I would, you know, be standing there, long line, parents here, kid just sprinting, all out sprint. And there's this moment where I get to see their face nobody else gets to see that expression. And my heart would just be like, but you're right. I love telling stories and I love, I could really get into some good storytelling, especially with Cinderella and Rapunzel. Well, I mean, Belle reads a lot of books, so I could tell stories all day long with her (laughs) too, but I was most similar with them. So I could actually, I would like intertwine things actually from real life, but um, talk, talk about, you know, anything, but the, some of the greatest satisfaction is knowing they're walking away with a great experience and they had a really good time and they feel like they're like that's their, who's a huge actor right now. That's their Brad Pitt, you know, that's their, so it's kind of fun, but also it was so gratifying to me. And and it really meant a lot whenever people would take time to fill out a form about a random Cinderella that they met. And I just, would I would get all this feedback that they people would fill out cards and they'd be like this Cinderella that was there during this time. Um, So it was really, it was really, really nice to hear that, but I didn't, you didn't need it. You could already feel it that it was something special was happening in those moments. So, and I have a whole book, kids and families are so cool and I never did this as a kid, but they make um, cards and bracelets and friendship rings. And I have like a whole like treasure box of things that I've gotten from kids that are just, I know it's special to them. So I held on to it because it's special to me too now, but yeah, I loved it. I really can't say enough.
0: That's so cool. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, Second to last question. And I know you gotta be out soon, so we'll make it quick, but I gotta (laughs) ask, you were on The Bachelor? What? (laughs) Yeah. Like what? What that season were you on? How, how did it go? Like, wh- I need I need the skinny on this, too.
3: I won. I got out.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, I was on Juan Pablo's season and um, it was very random how that came to be. Also, my sister and I were having like a happy hour downtown Orlando. And I was actually working at Disney at the time. I had to quit Disney to go beyond The Bachelor, but I did it quietly because I didn't want The Bachelor to be like Disney princess. So I went with reporter because that's what I was and that's what I wanted to get huh, back to. Okay. So my sister and I are at happy hour and I see this long line and having worked at Disney, I'm like, something good's at the end of that long line over there. <laughs> All those people look really well put together. Like, let's just go check it out. So my sister and I walk over there and we got to the front sat down had a conversation no expectations we just happened upon it and then they were, they called me and i was like amber i think they're gonna pick me to be on the show and she's like yeah right and i was like no i really i think they are and then they called me in the next week and they're like hey do you want to be on the show but then they told me like there was some confusion on like who the bachelor was going to be. And then weeks later they changed it and like, do you still want to be a part? And you know, I'd already said, I have a hard time saying no to opportunities. So I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm still open to it. It sounds good. And I don't really know what's going to come of it, but you pack your suitcase for, you know, three months worth of stuff and just go and just go on faith. And you're like, okay. So I spoke with, of course, my, managers at Disney and I was like, Hey, um, had this opportunity. Can I come back once I'm done? I know I have to disaffiliate because it's ABC, ABC. So yeah, left for a little bit. And then it was a great experience as in like, I met some really cool people. My my horizons were definitely expanded because at that point I'd only lived in Tallahassee and Orlando, living in a house with women from all over the country and seeing all these different ways to get ready and do your hair was insane. (laughs)
2: like
3: mind blowing. And then just some of the, it was just really cool though too. I mean, I appreciated it a lot because for what it was, um, would I do it again now? No, probably not, Mm -hmm. don't need to, but um, I'm glad that I did it then and i'm glad i had an open mind about it and that was about it i was out pretty early so it was funny though because i think early on producers have an idea of who they think's gonna go pretty far
0: and they can shape it you know
3: oh yeah well just like that whole season was kind of manipulated a little bit but then also from my standpoint knowing how that can happen and knowing I ask leading questions on purpose, that's my job sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I see them a mile away too. So I was actually probably a little more shy and reserved because I didn't want to make an ass out of myself um, because I wanted to continue my career. So I had all of that in the back of my mind and it isn't back then. I don't think it was what it is now. It's not back then. It was not um, you go on with the hopes to like sell Gummies to make your hair shiny or something like you don't go on it to try to be an influencer. You, right. I was just going on it to maybe travel a little, meet some cool people. I don't know, but now it's I feel like it's a little different than it was.
0: It's all right, Casey's your bachelor now.
3: <laughs> yeah, I am <laughs> very smitten if you can't tell.
0: <laughs> yes, I can tell. Um, all right, sorry, last thing. Do you watch the show now? Like, are you still invested with like the franchise?
3: no i watched bachelor in paradise for a little bit because they asked me to be on that first season and i was like i wonder how this is gonna shake out and i actually thought it was really funny um and some of my friends that i met through the franchise were on it and i know them so i would and i watch because it's just more funny that way it's a little more comical but um i i don't really watch it anymore like i said it's it's not really relatable at all and I don't really have time to watch TV to be quite honest. Yeah. Um we just started Yellowstone so we're trying to <laughs> watch busy. through that. Yeah. I'm busy now for the for at least a while but yeah I don't I don't really keep up with it at all and I I'm happy for whoever wants to go on it though. <laughs>
0: yeah there you go my, my mom watches it my girlfriend watches it so when i told them that i was having you on they were like oh my god ask her this ask her that but i know we gotta go so i want to be conscious of your time just real quick i know you're going to record fantasy live right now track yep. side live obviously when things hopefully knock on wood get back to semi-normal and you'll be back yep. at the track interacting with some fans i know you've done some instagram lives and stuff during the pandemic as well and you'll yep. be traveling to some races with casey too so I know you're keeping yourself busy. Did I miss anything? What else is going on?
3: Oh yeah. Don't forget the uh the uh Coca-Cola iRacing series as well. Uh-huh. I do countdown for green, uh countdown to green for that. And uh, we have a great time. Our next race is next Tuesday. So um we are it's been a great season. My panel of drivers are awesome and we have great chemistry and a lot of fun. There's just so much I learned about iRacing this year, just being a part of the Inascar Coca-Cola series that I had no idea like whenever these people like win there are tears this is the real deal and it's just really cool i just i rally behind anybody doing what they love and i think that's awesome and like the passion for some of these drivers so i've learned a lot um doing that show and i really appreciate that opportunity to uh, be able to even you know be in that position to learn more but also enjoy it like i do and like i said our show's a lot of fun and uh yeah so don't miss that one too I'm having fun with
0: that one we'll be tuned into that well we can see your passion it shines through in everything you do I uh I really appreciate your time I know you're busy and I kept you a little bit after when you needed to run but it's been awesome catching up with you getting to know you and your story a little bit better and we will be watching fantasy live trackside live the iRacing pre-race countdown to green show Instagram lives (laughs) everything where you are We'll be watching. It's been awesome catching up with you. And I we got to have you back to talk more about Disney because I have like 20,000 <laughs> more questions, okay? We got to do it again.
3: All right, sounds good. I, I have a lot that I can talk about there too because I just <laughs> soaked in everything I could. It's been really nice talking with you too. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to the next time.
0: Absolutely. And we're back. Awesome chat, wasn't it? I know it was a little bit shorter than usual. Amy, obviously, she's a busy gal. She had to run to a NASCAR Fantasy Live taping during the week, we recorded this a couple weeks ago before the playoffs started, but it was so, so great to learn more about Amy and chat with her because I feel like we as NASCAR fans and people that you know follow the sport, we see her a lot on social media. She's doing stuff at the track, activation, and I know she's been around for a while, but I never was able to kind of dig deeper and figure out what drives her and what drew her to NASCAR journalism and reporting in general. So Amy, cannot thank you enough for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And like we talked about offline, got to see you in Charlotte next time I get down there. And uh, maybe you can show me around the World of Outlaw scene because that's something that's on my bucket list. Let's chit-chat about Richmond Raceway this upcoming weekend. We got a triple-header weekend of racing action. The NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour returns to the action track for the first time in 19 years. They're going to race on Friday night. Xfinity and Cup have a double-header on Saturday night. Let's talk about the mods for one sec. Uh, Ron Silk's going for three race wins in a row. Last time that happened was Doug Kobe in 2015. Justin Bonsignor, who's the two-time and defending, I think three-time, and defending NASCAR Wheel of Modified Tour champion, he has over a 20-point lead on Patrick Emmerling, who's also going to be in the Xfinity race the next day. So he's looking to extend that. Ryan Priest, obviously we know him from the Cup Series, but he has cut his teeth on the Modified Tour before champion there. And Ryan Newman, he always loves to run with the ground pounders. He's going to be competing as well in this race on Friday night. So be sure to check that out on NBC Sports Gold and Track Pass. Then you obviously have the Xfinity race on Saturday afternoon. Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s one race of the season. He's going to be running in the number eight for Junior Motorsports, obviously, which kicks Sam Mayer out of the car for one week. He's going to be in the 99 for BJ McLeod. But let's talk about the cup race because that is what we are here to see. And I'm going to be there this weekend on behalf of Front Stretch, by the way. So excited to bring you guys all the coverage there. Here are the standings entering Richmond. Above the cut line by five points. Christopher Bell heading to statistically his best track at Richmond, five Xfinity starts, three wins, and his first start with Joe Gibbs racing, I believe last spring or this past spring, he finished top. Five. So gamble responsibly, but if you choose to do so, I'm going with C-Bell. He's five points above the cut line. Chase Elliott is only four points above the cut line. Forgot to mention him at Darlington. He hit the wall, had a terrible night. Eric Amarola, three points to the good. Holding the tiebreaker over Alex Bowman for the final spot is Tyler Reddick. Then he got Kyle Busch, who's in my championship four, below the cut line by two. I mentioned him. He had some trouble and got fined 50 grand. For how he entered the garage William Byron is nine below the cut and Michael McDowell we knew he was probably gonna have to hope for a miracle if he wanted to get into the next round and that is the case because he is 20 points below the cut line so those are some big names that are below the cut and they're gonna need to kick it into high gear real quick good news is for Bowman Byron Elliott Kyle Busch that they're pretty good at this racetrack. JGR specifically, all of their drivers, not counting Christopher Bell, are multi-time winners in the Cup Series at Richmond. And Bell, he's a multi-time winner in the Xfinity Series at Richmond. So I think JGR is going to be the team to beat. Hendricks going to be right behind him, obviously. You got Larson, who's a machine. You got Byron Bowman, which, by the way, the latter won here in the spring. And then, of course, you got Chase Elliott, who also seems to be good pretty much everywhere. So I'm expecting JGR to be the best of the rest on Saturday night. Hendrick close behind them. Kevin Harvick's in a pretty good spot right now, as is Ryan Blaney. Kevin Harvick was running well in the spring. He had a flat tire and crashed late. Blaney has still never scored a top 10 finish at Richmond. He finished his best of 11th back in the spring. Talk to him for the Front Stretch podcast this week. So once you're done with this in a couple minutes, check that out. Fun conversation there. Bottom line is you're going to want to watch the Toyotas. You're going to want to watch the Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolets. Those guys are going to be up front battling for position. And watch that playoff cut line. Because even though Bristol is next, what you do in this race could determine how you approach the cutoff next weekend. Look nuts of the week! Cue that funky music, white boy. Austin Dillon, Kevin Harvick, Martin Trix Jr., and Ross Chastain, their cars were brought back to the R&D center after Darlington, Golden Nugget Online Gaming. They are sponsoring Anthony Alfredo this weekend. The NASCAR Hall of Fame induction ceremony for the past class, I believe that would be 2021. It's slated for January 21st. So congrats to Mike Stefanik, Dale Jr. and all the other inductees that are going in in that class. Steve Lauletta has officially been named the president of 2311 Racing. He was operating under the interim tag. So congratulations to him. As I mentioned, Kyle Busch was fined 50 big ones for a safety violation, how he entered Pitt Road, or, or the garage area, I should say, at Darlington Raceway after he crashed out. I think that's a, a just penalty there. Beard Motorsports, they announced that they are, in fact, entering the 2022 Daytona 500. No driver named yet. The LA Coliseum, you guys hear about this? Nothing official from NASCAR yet, but Adam Stern first hinted at it, and Jordan Bianchi reported it this week that the clash the preseason race that's usually held at daytona will be at the la coliseum for next year it's all but official so we're waiting to hear about the schedule also some rumors of gateway taking a date away from pocono we will wait and see for official word from nascar on that might have mentioned it last week but jtg doherty racing confirmed that they're only going to run one full-time car next year and it's going to be Ricky Stenhouse Jr. So unfortunate news there for Ryan Priest, who is a very talented driver, who I hope lands somewhere competitive because he deserves it. And lastly this week, uh, I'm recording a little bit early. Actually, the next-gen test at Daytona is actually wrapping up right now. We saw that they actually have a camera for the rearview mirror. Like, I still need to do some reading on it because it was never officially confirmed, but now people are figuring it out, and it's interesting. But lastly this week, I just want to say thank you, guys, because... By the time you're listening to this, you've probably seen my tweets, you've probably seen it on TikTok, but you guys know those weekly TikTok recap videos that I do, NASCAR themselves have decided to pick them up and put them on their channel, which I said, yes, because putting my face and my content in front of 1.3 million people is a lot better than my 8,000. Uh, that's not to say I don't appreciate and love every single one of you guys that have followed me. And that's why I'm making this my last lug nut of the week. I want to thank you guys so much. Seriously, like from the bottom of my heart, uh, you have supported me through thick and thin. Through this podcast, I decided to pick up a random NASCAR Wii steering wheel and take a pair of my dad's old glasses that he doesn't use and say, ah, freck!" and impersonate Joey Logano. And you guys have been so supportive and so interactive with my content, whether it's on Twitter or TikTok itself. So if you guys have somehow found this podcast through that, welcome. And if you're listening to this after seeing my TikTok stuff, or if you've been an OG guy or gal, just know that I I love you guys and I appreciate you so much. Uh, Not done yet. We got a lot more left to go to where I want to go in my career, so to speak. I'm not going to get on my soapbox here, but just know I love you guys so much and I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. That'll wrap things up for this love fest on episode 124 of Victory Lane 2.0. Again, guys, if you like what you heard, please do me a favor. It does help me out in spreading the word. Leave a rating and a review. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud. We should be available for your consumption on whatever podcast platform. And if we're not, drop me a line. We'll try to rectify that issue for you. Until next time, stay safe, get vaccinated if you have not already done so. Enjoy the racing at Richmond. We'll be back next week with another guest from the NASCAR world. And to preview, Bristol, baby. Catch you on the flip side.